0: as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And now, here is your host, the lovely, delightful, insightful, and all-around great gal, Ms. Barbara DeLong
1: Good evening everybody and welcome to Nightlight. Tonight is is really a kind of exciting time for me because we're going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And that's how to get rid of things like um anxiety and and fear and all sorts of other awful things that we seem to fall into. Uh, I have as a guest tonight an an amazing man. His name is Dean Slater. And he he spent a lifetime learning authentic methods of natural meditation from Eastern and Western sages and sharing them with thousands of students, including prisoners, tech innovators, Filmmakers, high school students, and entrepreneurs. He's completed numerous retreats and pilgrimages in the Tibet, India, Nepal, and Europe, and for decades he led workshops throughout the United States. The book that we're going to be talking about, and he's written several, all of which are phenomenal, but the the one that I happen to be slightly expert in because I've read it a couple times already, is called Fearless, and it's been described as I love this description. Om meets We. (laughs) He careens merrily from the Buddha to Willie Nelson, from prison stories to the Wizard of Oz, but it all leads us step by practical step and loving step towards a life of peace. Who knew that learning how not to be freaked out could be so much fun? Um, He is an acclaimed teacher, and, and he shows us in this book how to use simple meditative techniques and subtle tweaks of body, mind, and breath to open life to deep, relaxed confidence. Drawing on ancient enlightenment teachings as well as contemporary research, he lays out practical, easy-to-follow steps for addressing all of the the above and much, much more. He he has taken, uh, throughout the book, he has thrown in quotes from the Buddha, Jesus, And um, Gary Seinfeld and all of them, certainly all of the comments apply to the the material that he is he is working with. He is um, an amazingly um, adventuresome spirit. He's unique. He's talented. Um, I think he's here. Is that you, Dean?
2: I'm
3: here.
1: Yay! <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm here and just enjoying all the lovely things you're saying about me.
1: Well, it wasn't that I was stretching things out. Is I do mean them. <laughs> no, Great. it's, it's well. you know it, it's it, you. You've been on a phenomenal journey, and mm-hmm. it's a journey that 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 once somebody gets into that 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 space where I know they're spiritual and I want to have a, a greater part of it and I want to include it into my life and I want to incorporate it into my everyday you know modality and stuff like that it, it's, it's like what you want and then it like okay this is what I want I want to have an awakening on a spiritual level because you, you suddenly realize that there is that level out there and then it's like how the devil do i get there
3: right yeah no after a certain point when you really you get the you know it's it's kind of like when you go into the ice cream store and they have all those flavors and they have the little spoon to give you the sample tastes, and once mm-hmm. you find whichever you find that one you know the rum raisin or whatever you go i gotta have more there's there's no turning back now
1: yeah and so so you started um then which didn't last long but
3: (laughs) yeah about three days
1: (laughs) okay well hey you gave it a good a good shot um (laughs) how did you stumble across what did work for you
3: well what happened was first of all i started getting those first little sample spoons of someone's whistling at us is that a Parrot or a
1: well, an actually, admiring gentleman. No, no. Actually it's my cell phone. I have it hit me at random moments <laughs> during the day to give me an ego boost.
3: Oh, very nice. Okay. It's the
1: coolest thing in the world because you know, if I'm in the grocery store, somebody'll say who was that and I would I cannot say, I oh, don't know, but it must have been for you and the smile on their face is oh, just that's great. so incredible. Yeah. That's that great. and, and Everybody smiles when they hear it, even if they don't know where it came from.
3: (laughs) That's great. That's great. Um, So, yes, uh, for me, I started getting those first little samples of a spiritual experience, if if we're we're going to use that word, experiences of opening awareness, awakening, uh, really in, in childhood. Uh, As early as when I was four or five years old, I had some very specific kind of opening experiences,
2: Mhm.
3: And then um I was in San Francisco for my freshman year of college and it was the mid 60s and it was the perfect pl- yeah, it was the perfect place <laughs> and the perfect time not only because the summer of love was going to happen in another year but because the United States had just loosened up their immigration laws and teachers were starting to come from other countries, so Suzuki Roshi came from Japan and started the first full-time Zen center in the U.S. there in San Francisco, Bhaktivedanta Swami came from India, and actually he started the first Krishna Consciousness Temple in the U.S. in New York and the second one there in San Francisco. There was Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach with the great ecstatic uh, Jewish mysticism and there was Sufi Sam. and there, It was just all happening there. So I was able to go around and get the samples and, and as I said, I tried to be a serious Zen student for about three or four days, but I could see very quickly that that idea of okay, you've got to sit like a stone Buddha. You can't move. And just like what's happening there on the outside, what's the same sort of thing is supposed to happen on the inside. Hold your mind that still, that unwavering. And I could see very quickly that I was not going to be able to do it. And the Zen teachers themselves say that. They say it's not for most people. So as a Someone who who really wanted to keep repeatedly dipping into that opening experience that I had had accidentally stumbled into in childhood, and also from the, really from the beginning I wanted to be able to share it. I've always had a a teacher impulse. Uh, I knew I had to find ways to do this that were uh, accessible to regular ordinary you know, fidgety people like myself mm-hmm. with fidgety, bo- fidgety bodies and fidgety minds. What I realized was that I'm, I'm pretty much average. So I continued, again, San Francisco in the mid-60s was the perfect place to be. And uh, I found teachers who are plugged into... Uh, genuine, authentic traditions going back for centuries to places like India and Tibet, where through a lot of research and development, what's been found is that that uh, what's been found is that the most effective way to meditate is not to try to hold your mind still, not to try to push away the thoughts, because really any effort to create a non-agitated state of mind is itself a form of agitation. So Absolutely.
2: It's,
3: yeah, it's, it's self-defeating. And what those teachers showed me is that if you stop pushing, so to speak, and allow yourself to be pulled, just allow the mind's natural gravitation to peace, to silence, to happiness, to fulfillment, since the greatest, as all the the masters of every tradition promise, the greatest happiness, the great silence is there inside us. You know, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Nirvana is Mm -hmm. within you. Since it's within us, pretty much you just have to take the first step, get turned in that direction and um, just, you know, relax and let gravity take over.
1: Absolutely. I I know that um, I've been in the field for about 50 years. So, Mm -hmm. Um, So
3: so we're from the same era.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's why I laughed when you were talking about when you were in California. Um, (laughs) I I have always been on the East Coast, so it was a little different here, but not much. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: And so what I am finding, you know, after being in this field as long as I have been, um, there are wonderful places where you can feel Mm -hmm. that that, that moment of being truly in that zone. Um, it's, it just, it, what it does is it, it vibrates through your body and you become one with the sound and there's just nothing like being one with something. And, um, it's, it it can be magical but but everyone today um on, uh, today especially there is so much fear and anxiety and pressure and and right. um all all sorts of 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 things hitting everyone right left up and down it it is not a it is not a time nor a society that that leaves time for finding you know hours and hours where you can meditate and try to find that spot or or give yourself an hour a day to to try to get yourself into that place And Mm -hmm. so many people I talk to say, when I say meditation, they go, oh, I can't meditate. It's impossible. I always have thoughts that go through my head and I keep saying, yeah, yeah, but, you know, you have to kind of let them just go. And Mm -hmm. your book is so amazing because it makes it, I don't want to say simple or easy, but but it is.
3: Yeah, it is. It's simple and easy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly it is. It is. didn't <laughs> want to insult
1: you. Uh, no, but but
3: but, then, but, uh, but I but I know we the hesitate. There's a hesitation to say that because if we say simple and easy, we, we we can worry that well people will think this is not the real thing. This is mm-hmm. not the good stuff. This is the watered down kindergarten level stuff but in fact if you study deeply and i know you know this because you've been studying this stuff for 50 years if you study deeply into the traditions you find out that actually the simple easy effortless the non-doing doing doing, the non-meditation meditation meditation, where it becomes just being that's the Mm -hmm. advanced stuff that's the for, for example in zen the all the stuff that, that they that I could not do, all the introductory stuff of sitting and trying to concentrate on this, concentrate on that. Eventually you get past all that and in in you practice what in Zen is called Shikantaza, which means just sitting.
2: Mm-hmm. Just sitting.
3: Um, and what I managed to do was find the teachers who showed me, you can go straight to that with some, you have to have very clear guidance. It's not complicated guidance. Our mm-hmm. minds want to make it look complicated, but you need clear enough guidance to show you how simple it is. And then you can go straight to that. And that's why it doesn't take hours a day or even an hour a day. In general, the way most people go about meditation, is they sit, concentrate, they try. All those things, as you say, oh, people say, I can't get rid of thoughts. I can't get rid of thoughts, and I've been at this for 50 years. But what I know is you don't have to get rid of thoughts. So people sit, and for they sit down, and they hold their bodies rigidly, and they try to get rid of thoughts, and they concentrate and all that. And it's so exhausting. That after Ah. 45, after 45 or 50 minutes of that, finally, the mind becomes so exhausted that it just slips into letting go. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, around the end of it, of the hour, they've got 10 minutes of just, ah, just sitting, just letting go. And then they open their eyes and they go, oh, that was so great, man. It took a lot of hard work and an <laughs> hour to get there, but I'm going to do this again. Now, what my <laughs> teachers showed me was how to essentially skip those first 45 minutes and just go straight to the letting go part.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, I know you have a book on meditation, and mm-hmm. um, and certainly that would be a, a fabulous book to have as well. You Also on your website, which is, um, I'm going to spell it out. It's your name. It's Dean's.
3: Uh, you know what? There's a better Quiner, way because yeah. no one can no one can spell my name. The the easiest way to get to my website is fearlessbook dot net. That'll take okay. you there.
1: Yep. So if you if they go to that website, you mm-hmm. have meditations that lead yes. people through yes. all of this, and it, and it's free. And yeah, it's um, yeah, audio.
3: I, it, it's audio tracks that they can stream from yeah. the site. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 that gives you a master teacher, taking you to the place where. And and what's so cool is it's it's so comfortable and it's so relaxing. You're pretty sure that you couldn't possibly be meditating, but <laughs> but you are.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And and the book, fear less. Why did you write fear less? I it, it it's it's a great title and it's a great book but you've already done the meditation book so why mm-hmm. why fear less as well
3: right well because just as you were saying at the top of the show uh there is so much of that in the air right now mm-hmm. uh and and there's these things that seem like they seem like different things fear anxiety loneliness rage addiction Uh, shame, all of this stuff, which all seems so different, so different. You know, how can we address all these different things? And, of course, on one level, they are different. At another level, at a deeper level, at the, the root level, they really all come from the same place. And that is they come from being cut off from that, Oneness, that wholeness, which is our true nature, which is what we are and what existence is at its depth. Of course, in one sense, we can never really be cut off from it. You know A wave can never be cut off from the ocean, but the wave can forget that it's part of the ocean so it can be cut off from being consciously part of that wholeness and then we think oh i'm just this poor little wave i'm so puny i'm getting pushed around by all the other waves someday i'm gonna i'm gonna subside back into the ocean and die and you know but then we start to look in in a sense meditation is like the little wave just looking down into his or her base and going wait where does my base? Where do I leave off and the ocean begin? And you realize there is no separation. I am mm-hmm. that vastness. I am. And whereas waves are always sloshing around and active, and uh, you know, and that's that's our life out here on the level of time and space. But and it's also our mind, the movement of our mind, all those thoughts that people think they need to get rid of in meditation. All that stuff can go on on the surface. Meanwhile, all the time. You go a foot or two below the surface, and the ocean is silent, and the ocean is always resting in its bed.
1: And you know what I what I loved was, um, I want to get to that part, but I want to, well, let's let's go into into the 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 fact that, in 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 meditation, no, let me let me go let me go back because, um, most people don't know how to start, and. Mm-hmm you have such wonderful um what do you call them on ramps to meditation on ramps right and right. and and you know ways in which to sort of ease yourself into a meditation and mm-hmm. and to get that relaxation and um mm-hmm. I, the one that i love the one that i i have played with the most is breathing through your feet
2: mm
3: mm-hmm. mhm mhm yeah that then, one is Yeah. And in fact, that one, uh, the day before this book was published back in March, uh, that chapter, Breathe Through Your Feet, went up on Oprah's website. It's running on Oprah.com, which was great. And I've been getting emails from people saying, boy, this breathing through your feet thing is so effective. I've I've started doing that at night to go to sleep and you're Uh going to put Ambien out of business.
1: Yeah good. <laughs> <laughs> and and it basically is is visualizing your breath coming in through your feet and going back out through your feet. And um I, I guess it takes the focus off of everything else and it puts it on your breath, which then does lull you into sleep.
3: Uh, well it could be sleep if it's sleepy time and the lights are out and you're horizontal but it doesn't have yeah. to be sleep it can just be be settling down getting more clear getting more open i want to i want to point out and this is where uh actually the one thing i know that i'm 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 good at is i'm very precise with language um, and I want, so I just want to tweak two words that you used there just now in describing the technique. One is you say, "Okay, you visualize breathing through your feet," uh, and mm-hmm. and that might there's some visual image might happen, but that's not the instruction that I give exactly. What I say is, fee, kind of imagine, kind of feel like you're feeling. Okay. And and people listening uh, can do this right now, wherever you are. So first, just actually, let's back up a step. Um, Just to get what is this imagine slash feel business. So if I say, for instance, uh, your right ear. Now, right away, there's some shifting of the attention to your right ear. Am I imagining it? Am I feeling it? Not quite sure, but whatever it is, it's effortless. As soon as I mm-hmm. say right ear, there's no effort putting it there. If I say left kneecap, right away, there's some experience of left kneecap. So now, soles of your feet. Okay, attention goes there, or imagining it, or we feeling it, I don't know. And, but it happens effortlessly. Now, also effortless, we're already breathing. Nothing special to do there. So now, just as you breathe in, just imagine, feel that you're breathing in through the soles of your feet. As you breathe out, imagine, feel that you're breathing out through the soles of your feet. Just keep doing that. Now we're not trying to focus. That's that other word. I always like to banish that word because then people okay. so sometimes we'll start to try, make effort. Now, we're not trying to focus on anything. We're not trying to push anything away. Thoughts are there in the background. Sounds are there in the background. We're just easily breathing in through the soles of the feet, breathing out through the soles of the feet. And, and that's that, it. that
1: can be that can be done in the car. That can be done
3: it, yeah, anywhere, anywhere, anytime. Anywhere. So for so you and you could use that as an on-ramp into sitting you know you could sit down and close your eyes and do that as an on-ramp into your you know whatever 5 10 15 minutes of meditation or you could do it right in the thick of battle let's say you are um you're standing in line at the pharmacy waiting to get your prescription filled and you're feeling fidgety you're feeling restless maybe you're feeling worried about Whatever illness you have that's <laughs> requiring you to stand in line for a prescription. Um, and you've got a couple of choices. One is to stand there and just be completely caught up in in all that churning. The second mm-hmm. choice is just the, which is what most people do these days, which is automatically your hand goes in your pocket. you whip out your cell phone to distract yourself. <laughs> um, and, and and because gee, you haven't checked your email in at least seven or eight minutes, and then the third way is okay. Well, I'm standing here in line at the CVS or the Rite Aid. Uh, I'll just breathe through my feet, and oh yeah, then things just have a way of mellowing out, and uh, yeah, it's just totally cool to be standing here in line at the pharmacy.
1: Well, and and it does work magically. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And you have, you have a couple of other, well, you have several other on ramps mm-hmm. that you talk about. Yeah. Um, I love the, ah, yes, that's,
3: this is, and especially people who've done some meditative practice and hung around in yoga studios, they're generally familiar with mantras like, Om, which
2: mm-hmm. of course is
3: very profound and powerful. Uh, I have a couple of favorite mantras that I share with people. One of them is,
2: oh. <laughs> Great <laughs>
3: You know, yeah, it's like I, I associate it with the last day of school. Back when I was in school, the last day of school, I've taken my last final exam. I come home, you throw the backpack or the book bag or whatever into the corner, you flop onto the bed, and you go, ah. Oh. It's the sound of letting go. The sound Mm -hmm. of letting go. It's very powerful. Now, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh, then another variation of that is singing descending fifths. And um, you may be familiar with, everyone's familiar with this, because in this country, we all know the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say, stop right there. Ah, in music, that's called a descending fifth. And for reasons that we don't have to get into right now, that is going from the max in terms of the sound vibrations from the maximum tension to the maximum resolution, the maximum letting go so this is a really good thing to do, like in the shower in the morning when you've got everything's echoing, you've got the nice warm water going ah uh, and and on that upper note, you can imagine that you're like a little droplet that's suspended in space and it's it's you know kind of it's tense it's you're you're having to defy gravity to keep <laughs> suspended <laughs> in space like that and then as you drop into the lower note you're it's like the, the little droplet drops into just a sea of warm water and melts into it and just melts into that boundlessness uh so you take a deep breath and you go
2: Ah uh,
3: very cool just just one of those, and you can be pretty gone now by the way my I'm kind of a baritone, so you know i my voice is a little low. you find the place where the where the that second note is the lowest note you can sing. Comfortably at full volume, and that's the best place to do it. But wherever you do it is is fine.
1: Well, and it also, you know, is is great tonal work for your voice if you happen to be speaking in front yes. of a group or or, yes. or something like that. I mean, it yes. it just. Um, I I know that uh, I served for five years in a in a spiritualist church, and mm. I found it took me an hour to get there, and during that hour. I sang, I talked, mm. <clears throat> I did it, everything I could to make sure that my voice was um, ready to talk—not
3: right. sing, but right. talk. <laughs> right, right, yeah, no, me too. I mean, I talk for a living and do some writing, um, mm-hmm. and so I've got to keep my voice. You know, I'll, I'll. Lead these workshops where you know they, they'll, they're going four or five hours and I'm talking through most of it, um, and um, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it keeps your voice real, and also that kind of vocal work is important for women. Especially women in the workplace, we hear so much about how, in the workplace, uh, women's voices—both you know physically, vocally, and kind of you know emotionally—women's uh, voices are drowned out by the the louder, more powerful men's voices. Well, doing this kind of simple thing. Um, helps literally to strengthen your voice. it strengthens all the muscles around the the vocal cords and uh, and it brings out the low overtones so that it doesn 't make the pitch of your voice lower, but it it makes it um, the overtones uh lower so that you sound a little more like a lion and less like a mouse
1: <laughs> I have found that the the higher the voice, the squeakier it gets, the more people turn it off. And the yep. lower it gets, yep. the, the more comfortable people are uh listening to you. So mm-hmm. you know I, I have never had a squeaky voice i have right. um, I have allergy voice right now, but for the most part, <laughs> um right. you know it's 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 kind of in the middle, which which is great for radio um right. you You talk about um resting in awareness and as awareness. Can you can you right. explain the difference between the two?
3: Right. So once we spend a few minutes taking some on-ramp, um, typically, when when we sit down to meditate, right now, now we're talking about the time of meditation. Yeah. And and the on ramp can be whatever whatever you like to do. It should be something you like to do. If you like to sing descending fifths, ah, or or you can gaze at something, gaze at a flower, or if there's some spiritual person's picture you have, you like to gaze at the Buddha or at the Blessed Virgin or your guru or whatever. Do that for a while, just to have the mind. Let the mind have some place to settle a little bit, and then let that go. So you're just sitting there with the eyes closed, and as we were saying before, gravity is going to take over as long as we let it. But if we just say do nothing, that's too open. People just start to well do nothing. Now what? Uh, you know, where's the remote? Trying <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to light a cigarette <laughs> or something. Um, so what we do is notice that, for example, if you look to your left right now, you're aware of certain objects, certain colors and shapes, and if you look to your right, you're aware of different objects, different colors, different shapes. If you um, look now straight ahead of you, you're aware of different objects, different colors and shapes. So what we're aware of keeps changing. What the for example, if I look down at my body, I might say, "Well, that doesn't keep changing." But of course, the body I'm seeing now is not the same one that I saw 30 years ago, or even no. even even 30 minutes ago, actually. <laughs> um, so what we are aware of keeps changing. The one constant is that we are aware. Awareness itself is. Is actually closer to our beingness. Is actually, it, it's more true to say that awareness is what we are, than to say the body is what we are,
2: because the body's just,
3: the body's just one more thing we're aware of, and it keeps changing. Whereas awareness is like awareness. It, we could say is like the open sky. It's like open space, and all these things that hearing, all the things we're aware of the things that we hear, see, taste, smell, touch, think, all those things are like different breezes blowing through the sky. And the sky doesn't care. This one's going to blow from the north. This one's going to blow from the south. This one's going to be a gentle zephyr. This one's going to be a violent hurricane. Nothing dents the sky, and nothing improves the sky. The sky is just open space now if if we pay attention for a minute or two we start to realize more and more clearly that this is what our awareness is like our awareness is like aware space it has no color it has no density it has no um no story that's good therefore it has no problems tied to the bumper <laughs> like like a bunch of tin cans all that stuff that we think we are is really just stuff we're aware of awareness is is the one thing it has no colors or sounds or anything but it's what we are it, it's always here so we just rest at, in in this awareness or if we realize oh this is what I am rest as this awareness it's just a slightly more accurate way to state it rest okay. as so rest as awareness meaning just remain as you already are remain like the sky which is open to the comings and goings of all these thoughts and sounds and and colors, and 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 just remain like that. There's a there's a great book. Uh, I'm I'm looking across the room to my bookshelf right now. It's it's sitting there by um, it, it's the teachings of Sri Ramana Maharshi, great 20th century Indian sage, and the title of the book is "Remain as You Are," and that uh-huh. really. Yeah, it sums up the whole, that's the deepest teaching of meditation. It's like if I say, if you're sitting in a chair, are you sitting in a chair right now? Yes. Okay, so if I say to you, um, okay, Barbara, sit in the chair. And you say, yeah, okay. And I say, well, now what do you have to do to be sitting in the chair? And you go, nothing, I'm already sitting in the chair. So what do you need to do to be awareness? Well, nothing, I'm already awareness so just remain as you are just kick back and relax into that and let all the comings and goings come and go like breezes in the sky and and if you do that uh, after you just sit that way for a little while gravity takes over and the settling down happens all by itself we settle deeper and deeper into the open sky like space like nature of our own awareness and then and thoughts will come along is this really working wait could it really be this simple <laughs> fine those are just those are just more thoughts happens to everyone those are just some of the thoughts some of the breezes coming and going in that sky of awareness
1: do you ever get to a
3: point in time when there is total silence um
1: there or you is feel all... total silence even though well, it's going, there's stuff going on around you. You just feel silence.
3: The, yes, yes. There you go. There's always total silence because the ocean, about starting about one or two feet down, the ocean is always totally silent. Even though, just exactly what you're implying there. Even though there's a bunch of activity, slosh, waves sloshing around, and storms and all that on the surface. And this is precisely what we discover in meditation. The, the reason that we don't have to to eliminate our thoughts, and in fact, the reason why it's better to not. You know, once in a while, we might have a situation where we're not thinking for a while, and that's fine. But it's it's actually not important. What's important is we discover that the real silence is always is the nature of awareness. You know, what color is your awareness? <laughs> It has no color. Of course, it has no color. We're aware of colors. We're aware of oh, this book is blue and this this rug is red and so forth. Everything that has colors is stuff we're aware of. Awareness itself, like the like open space, has no color. All right. Now, what sound is color? Is it high pitch or a low pitch? And of course, it's none. It's silent. So that silence we're looking for. We keep looking for the silence among the things we're aware of, including the the churning of our mind. But actually the silence is the awareness itself. And it's just it's a mistake. It's a very common mistake to try to find silence by flattening out, by by beating down all those thoughts. We don't have to. We just we just settle down into the awareness within which the thoughts are coming and going. It's kind of like, you know, when you're at a restaurant, you're sitting there by yourself eating your piece of, of whatever, apple pie, and there's all these conversations going on at the neighboring tables. Now, to just be sitting there enjoying your pie, you don't need to shush all those other conversations. <laughs> You just, you're just enjoying your pie. that It's so delicious that that's what you're paying attention to. And those conversations are somewhere in the background. If suddenly you decide, oh, wait a minute, how can I enjoy my pie while all these people are talking, and you go around trying to, to shut them up, then you've created a problem. And that's what we call trying to meditate.
1: Yeah. I had a, a group once, and somebody brought a baby and mm-hmm. the baby Great. didn't cry but burbled mm-hmm. you know throughout mm-hmm. the entire meditation and it was yep. fascinating to to see some people say well i kept hearing the baby and i couldn't meditate while others said you know i didn't even hear the baby
2: right and right, right. and
1: it, it 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 was pretty you know you, you can't say well one of you was meditating and the other was not, but, you, yeah. which I didn't and the, do. And,
3: and then the third thing that a person might say, which in a way would be the most kind of profound answer was, yeah, I heard the baby and so what? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know,
1: I, I think it, you have, you have a lot of those kind of terms in, in there, you know, right. right. Does it matter? And it the, matter, one you, right. the, the one that you, the one that is in there so often, which is it, it's there so often, it has to be more profound than I have thought it is, but it's come mm-hmm. and see.
3: Come and see, yeah. And that's that's my favorite quote from the Buddha himself. He said it in his language, the Pali language, ehi pasiko, come and see. Not come and believe, not come and hope, not come and indulge yourself in you know metaphysical speculation and theories and and all that but it is scientific method come and see D- experience directly and see what's actually going on
2: mm-hmm. and
3: and that's and that's all you need and this was centuries before scientific method was supposedly invented in the west except that in the west we made great advances by directing that scientific method outward to the things of the physical world which is great the buddha directed that scientific method to what we could call the the inner direction to the nature of awareness itself and oh, what absolutely. he discovered and what he discovered was oh the nature of awareness itself is this is everything we were looking for on the outside the happiness the fulfillment the stability the silence that we were looking for on the outside it's it's been right here all along. It's been the one who was looking. It's mm-hmm. like a it's like it's like we've been shining this flashlight around, looking looking for the light. <laughs> you know, let's see. This object is kind of shiny. Maybe this is the light. This object is pretty <laughs> shiny. When I shine my flashlight on, no, you never see anything when you don't shine your flashlight on it. You only see it when you've lit it up with your flashlight, the flashlight of your awareness. And so you think, well, maybe this thing is the light, this thing's the light. And, you know, eventually you realize, oh, no, the light is the light. I am the light. This is, you know, Jesus said that. I am, right, I am the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and that I, I think, did not mean just, well, just me and no one else. It means we, this no. is what we <laughs> all are. This is the nature of the nature of the I.
1: Yeah, no. It's I, I, something that, that, in in what teaching I do, I'm I'm constantly saying to people, you, you go within. You have the answers. You have the roadmap. You have all the information you need. It's in there. Trust mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And and so many people flounder, and it it, it gets for them frustrating. You know, you, you know, I I hear this. You're telling me to go inside myself, but I'm already in here, and I can't find the answers. And you uh-huh. know, uh-huh. Yep. It, it's it's so so. What I love about your book is, you give them techniques to get uh-huh. to where they need to be, in uh-huh. order to find that bridge of understanding or whatever it is that they're looking for. Because uh-huh. it it's it's so important, especially today, for people to be able to get in touch with that awareness inside of them
3: right because and and to and to bring that together with again the you know really the headline of this book the title of of this book uh you know fear less uh, it's not that we're going to become fearless. I, I haven't met anyone who's completely fearless, and, and I'm not. Uh, to some degree, we need fear in our life. It's, it's a it's a mechanism that nature gives us, so that when you're walking along the trail and you hear that rattle sound, you, yes, you, 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 you don't you don't stop and think about it. You you jump out of the way. So the mm-hmm. fear mechanism is supposed to be there, but. And I tell this little story, you know, if you're like a, this pr- one friend of mine who can't walk into a pet store to, you know, look at the the puppies and the turtles because if there are snakes in tanks there, she's afraid that the, the snakes are going to smash their way through the glass of the tanks and fly through the air and jump into her face.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Absolutely. so in that
3: case in that case the fear mechanism which in itself is is not a bad thing is just gotten all out of calibration it's been cranked up to 11
1: I should meet her because I believe angleworms are only snakes in training <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: um, I'm I'm the same way but uh-huh. but yes it is it it is definitely um over overreacting and yeah. and it, it it is, you know, even though you know it's overreacting, you're pretty sure it's gonna happen anyhow. So yeah. um <laughs>
2: Yeah, and and the
3: thing the see, and the thing is it's it's largely physiological. Our bodies have um you know, the, the autonomic nervous system has two uh branches, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And and again, these are mechanisms we need. When the sympathetic branch of the nervous system is switched on, that's the so-called fight or flight syndrome. That's the Mm -hmm. arousal state. That's when the blood uh, flows to the skeletal muscles, our heart beats faster, our adrenaline flows, our, our mouth gets dry, and we're ready to either fight something or run away from it. Now, we needed that when we were you know, cave people and when you heard the roaring of the woolly mammoth, you had to be ready to hunt the thing or run away from it. So, fine. But today, uh, we don't hunt a lot of woolly mammoths. What we no. do is a lot of us is we live in cities and every time we hear the, and the, the bus engine, it sounds to our nervous system like a woolly mammoth. And so it tends to arouse that fight or flight syndrome, so that we tend to be in a state of hyper arousal all the time. Uh, If we, especially people who live in cities, and now more and more, because you know we often we become addicted. Even if the thing is messing us up, we become addicted to it. So. This is one of the reasons why people, the moment there's no stimulation, there's no arousal, these days they immediately whip out their iPhone to, okay, let me let, let me engage with something that will keep me, me stimulated. Anything but silence, any, anything but settling down.
1: <laughs> you know, now, you, you do talk. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Okay, so I just want to say that there's now the other branch of the autonomic nervous system, which is the parasympathetic. And that has the opposite function as the sympathetic. That's for instead of fight or flight, that's for, you know, stay and play. Just settle down, everything's fine. And all of these Um, uh, meditative techniques and breathing techniques which I share in in my workshops and in the book all of these help to switch off the sympathetic nervous system and switch on the parasympathetic nervous system and that's how we cool our jets so it's not just some imaginary thing it's physiologically very real very solid
1: now you use this with prisoners you've worked with prisoners for quite a while
3: Yeah. How yeah, how,
1: been, how, you know, how do these techniques work with them?
3: Uh, exactly the same way as everyone else. <laughs> you know, and I love working with them. They're kind of my favorite people to work with. Um, for one thing, they get the importance of this in a way that well, kind of more than than most people. Because most of us that have been, you know, blessed with, the luxuries of a, of a life out here, you know, some kind of middle-class life, um, life of, of relative comfort, we can still sort of fool ourselves into thinking that, well, the ultimate solution to my situation is going to be found in something external. Once I get that job, once I get that car, once I I find that romantic partner. That'll do it. That'll be it. It goes all the way back, excuse me, (coughs) it goes all the way back to when we were little kids. You know, mommy, mommy, Christmas is coming. Please buy me the Barbie doll. If only you buy me the Barbie doll or the G.I. Joe, whatever, that'll be it. You know, it'll make me so happy. (laughs) My my head will explode. I'll never want another thing. And I'll never ask for
1: anything else. Yeah.
3: Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, those of us who were fortunate enough to live fairly, you know, middle class or better lives, we got the Barbie doll or the G.I. Joe. And it really did seem like that was it for a little while. And then it starts to wear off. And then it's mommy. Barbie's lonely. She needs Ken. She needs Skipper. (laughs) Barbie's homeless. She needs the Barbie dream house. Uh, You know, the next thing, the next thing. Now, guys in prison can't pin their hopes for a better life on the next nice thing because they're not going to get any nice things. So they know they, they have no choice. They have to look inside. And, and, I mean, I've had guys who would come to our, our meetings happen every Thursday night. This is at Northern State Prison uh, in Newark, New Jersey, where I've been supervising this group since 2005. And mm-hmm. I've had guys who would stop showing up for a couple of months, and it's because they've been put in administrative segregation, which is a polite term for solitary confinement, with, you know, no TV, no nothing. And then they come back, and, you know, uh, they're very, very happy that they knew how to meditate, how to turn inside, because the outside, there's nothing there.
1: Well, and and if you turn inside, you have total freedom.
3: Yes. Yeah. Which is
1: is the coolest thing ever.
3: Yeah, especially when you're able to tell a bunch of guys who are locked up in prison, some of them uh, serving 30-year sentences, you are freer than most people walking around on the outside. And, and they, and they get that. They're experiencing Mm -hmm. that come and see.
1: Yes. I I love that. And, and um, you have a lovely story in your book about the perfect guru and Mm -hmm. it's a fabulous story. And, and I, I have tried sharing it with some people and they, they, at first they go, oh, you've got to be kidding me, and then, and then it, <laughs> th- 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 with a couple of them, then it was the, uh, wait a minute. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. Can you tell that story.
1: Right. It's such a great story.
3: Yes. So, and there is a chapter that in the book uh, where this story occurs, and the chapter is called "That Guy." That guy. Yeah. And uh, and I tell the story how. Uh, I was sitting uh, one Thursday night with m- my group at Northern State Prison, and they were talking about some – someone was talking about some problem he was having with someone. And he said, yeah, you know, he's that guy. And they started to go on. I said, wait, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean that guy? He said, you know, it's, it's as in uh, everything would be okay if it wasn't for that guy. <laughs> we We always have one. And sometimes Uh that guy, for them, sometimes that guy might be a particularly brutal corrections officer. Sometimes that guy is your cellmate, your obnoxious cellmate. You know, it could could be anyone. Sometimes they said, that guy is your wife back home. Uh, It it could be anyone. And I said, oh, okay, this this is interesting. Now... We had been looking into the modern history of Tibet, and so they were familiar with the political situation there, which is how in the middle of the 20th century, uh, communist China took over Tibet, destroyed 98% of the temples, did terrible things to people, I mean, just slaughtered thousands of people, and forced the Dalai Lama into exile. And uh, and I pointed out to them. I said, you know, when people ask the Dalai, and oh, and and that invasion from the Chinese was, of course, uh, under the leadership of Mao Zedong, the, the chairman mm-hmm. of the Chinese Communist Party, Mao Zedong. So, as I explained to my guys, my prison group, uh, when people ask the Dalai Lama, who was your supreme teacher? Who is your guru, and he always says, "Mao because it was through Mao that I learned patience, I learned forbearance, I learned compassion, I learned looking inside to find the ultimate okayness because things were really messed up on the outside, et etc, cetera, etc cetera. and so what we concluded in our in our conversation there in prison is. That guy, for, for the Dalai Lama, Mao Zedong is that guy. And for everyone, that guy, whoever he or she is, is always your most important teacher, is always your perfect guru, is always going to bring you exactly what you need to deal with and what you need to learn.
1: It's, it's so profound and it's so true. And it's yeah. so
2: frustrating.
1: <laughs> you for wanna, a while, you wanna, yeah. Yeah. You want to yeah. walk away from that guy. You want to get them out of your life. You don't want right. to learn from them. And yet um right.
3: and but by, by put, definition, you can't get rid of that guy. He just needs no. to be in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and right, somebody,
3: for for it, a lot of people right now, and I you know, I and I try to avoid getting on either side of, of political Arguments, but but the reality is, for a lot of people right now, that guy uh, lives in the White House, mm-hmm. and 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 he's a very very difficult that guy to to be okay with for for many millions of people. That it's a it's a real challenge.
1: Well, and and obviously one that is important for them to learn to deal with in yep. order to move forward.
3: Right. Now one important point we need to make is that this does not mean that you become passive and apathetic. So right. if you're that guy, if you're per- the if your perfect guru happens to be someone that politically you feel is just terrible for them to be where they are, and you feel that it's important for you to try to get them out of office, it doesn't mean you say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, that's like like the caricature of spirituality that, oh, it's okay, I'm so mellow, I'm so enlightened, it's okay to let the kids go and play on the freeway, (laughs) you know, or... or I, I'm experiencing. I'm just marinating in spiritual bliss, so I don't have to go to my job today. I don't have to do my homework. Uh, in fact, the reality is it's just the opposite. This is why, in the, the the great classic text of meditation in India, the Bhagavad Gita, the teachings are given not to a monk sitting in a cave. They're given to Arjuna, a warrior. On the battlefield, just before going into battle, and what he's told is, "Okay, first, settle down within yourself, find that perfect silence that's always there, no matter how crazy things are on the outside, and then you can come out and fling yourself into the, the, the into all the craziness of the battle. You'll be okay."
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I I just that. To me, was was one of the most profound things that that, um, that that I read in the book. Because you know, as I look back on my life, um, there were people that, in retrospect, taught me more than you know the nice people that I had classes with,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and I and I learned so much more about myself through learning how to deal with that guy, and. Right yet it, it it was an amazing teacher now i haven't written any thank you notes but <laughs> i do i do acknowledge that i learned a lot from right. them
3: <laughs> right right and you know I mean, if we if we extend our no go
1: ahead yeah. well thank you notes are not required i don't believe
3: <laughs> you know i i don't i don't think so you know but what we can do is thank that guy in our heart Thank, mm-hmm. thank, okay. because because especially if it's a person who is you know creating trouble and just really oh there's such a pain in the neck it's because they are suffering yeah it's it's because they are frustrated they are scared they and uh you know i mean all of that there's 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 a quote from uh, Gandhi which I have in the book which is the 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 problem is fear Fear we think it's hate, but it's fear mm-hmm. right and and all the all the kind of tribalism that that to a very large degree our society seems to be retreating into it's just my side versus your side you know back in the in the just to talk about the political scene for another moment, you know back in the days of right up through the days of Ronald Reagan. Uh, the Reagan administration, the Democrats and the Republicans would, you know, bash away at each other in, in, in the Congress all day. And then in the evening, the Democrats and the Republicans, they'd go out drinking together and playing poker together. Oh, yeah. And and, and, and and that's how, even though they would make these speeches against each other the next day, they knew that ultimately they could work together. Now, that doesn't happen anymore that doesn't happen anymore they don't it's like no that's not just the loyal opposition that's the enemy and we can't fraternize with the enemy
1: yeah it and, has and, gotten to extremes
3: yeah yeah and people are people are afraid you know people are afraid of anyone that they're afraid of people that are different from them there's some incredible statistic that i dug up that, from the time of of the election in 2016 that something like 45% of Democrats are afraid of Republicans, not hate Republicans or resent them, are afraid of Republicans, and about the same percentage of Republicans are afraid of Democrats.
1: Well, I think part of it is we have access to so much information and we don't know what to believe and what not to believe. Mm-hmm. Right. And that makes it very confusing.
3: Yeah. And the other aspect of that is that we have access to so much information that anything that's bad or shocking uh, going on anywhere in the world, we know about it. We, mm-hmm. It all comes whereas you know for centuries, right up until very recently you know we'd know about the bad things happening in our village uh and then you know eventually within a few weeks we'd you know someone would come by our village on a horse and tell us about the bad things happening in our kingdom, but we didn't have to know about the bad things happening in the rest of the world now we and, we we know it all
1: and and we hear it immediately and yes. it it is frightening, I mean this world is it's a very big place, and there's a lot going on that isn't good and and there's a lot going on that is good yeah. and you know there just isn't that much um exposure to the general public of the things that are really good that are happening so right. you know it 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 does it does feel out of balance and yet. I, I think there is a balance going on here. And I think there's a balance that, that, you know, we, we possibly don't have total knowledge of, but there is a balance. It feels like we're out of balance, but, right. but, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, um that, that we will eventually learn to work together.
3: Right. You know, let me, let me read you just a little something from, from the book. Um and On this topic of you know having all this just upsetting news flooding into us every day, um, we're not the first to go through such times. In 1946, as the unspeakable slaughter and suffering of the Second World War was giving way to the Cold War and the threat of nuclear holocaust, the great Christian writer C.S. Lewis put this in a letter to a friend. Quote, hmm. One mustn't assume burdens that God does not lay upon us. It is one of the evils of rapid diffusion of news that the sorrows of all the world come to us every morning. I think each village was meant to feel pity for its own sick and poor, whom it can help, and I doubt if it is the duty of any private person to fix his mind on ills which he cannot help. This may even become an escape from the works of charity we really can do to those we know. A great many people do now seem to think that the mere state of being worried is in itself meritorious. I don't think it is. We must, if it so happens, give our lives for others. But even while we're doing it, I think we're meant to enjoy our Lord and in Him our friends, our food, our sleep, our jokes and the bird's song, and the frosty sunrise. It is very dark, but there's usually light enough for the next step or so, unquote.
1: And not only that, but sometimes you're not meant to know where you're going, but you have just enough light to see the next couple of steps, and that's maybe all you need.
3: That's all you need. You can only take one step at a time. This is true. yeah, and and somehow you got you got this far. You're still breathing, um, <laughs> but but I think his point that some people think it's mer- this, that being worried is itself meritorious, you know, and and people feel that oh, if I'm not worried, I'm being irresponsible, and it's just not the case. In fact, being worried is it worrying is irresponsible because worrying doesn't accomplish anything except to actually interfere with the clarity of your perception of okay what's actually happening here again come and see what's actually happening here what what is the most effective way that i can help the situation
1: mhm and if you can't does it matter
3: and and if you can't then then you can't then go somewhere where you can be helpful
1: yeah yeah no they are Um, it, you have many profound things in the book that, you know, I, I, I'm going to go back through it and pull a lot of them out. I I love this one. You have control over your actions only over the results of your actions. You have no control.
3: Right. And that, again, is a quote from the Bhagavad Gita. That is a,
1: um,
3: uh, you you know, you just you do what you can do. You do the best that you can do. And then it's not even let the chips fall where they may. You you don't get to let it. The chips are it's just knowing the chips are going to fall where they fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you and you just keep doing the best that you can. And and uh, don't make yourself crazy with with what. It happens next with what the fruits and, and of the action are.
1: I think also be the best you can be, but not according to someone else's scale, according to mm-hmm. your own.
2: Yeah, and yeah.
1: you know, it's kind of you don't have to live up to anyone else. You have to do your own thing,
2: right? Be, right beca-
1: because right. you're you're the only one that is going to live in this awareness, mm-hmm. and and it's um it, it is and awareness is an amazing thing and and sinking uh, into awareness and floating in awareness and and feeling yourself a part of a cosmic awareness is a blissful p- place to be and and to yeah. bring as much of that into your everyday life as is possible is is a really right. cool thing
3: right and um, and I, one of the, one, one of the great discoveries uh, on this path is that if you do sit and meditate, and I do recommend, if when people ask me, well, what do you recommend? The number one thing that I recommend for most people is set up a time every day, same time, like brushing your teeth. So it's not a matter of, well, did did I get around to it today? You know, we always <laughs> get around to brushing our teeth. So in the same way, set up where you have got doesn't have to be long. You know, maybe. 10 minutes, something like that, five minutes, uh, where you you do this natural meditation. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, there is this page on my website, which is fearlessbook.net. There is a page where I've got guided meditation audios, and they're free, and you can just use that to guide your, your couple 10 minutes or whatever of meditation a day. And then as you say we're we're floating in that bliss of just being of just being aware kingdom of heaven within as as Jesus called it the great discovery is that you just keep doing that and if you do that regularly more and more as you say bringing it out into activity happens automatically it happens as i said before physiologically you're at your phys- your nervous system actually starts to function in a different way so that it's reflecting the awareness of that inner silence more and more clearly even as you're dealing with all the outer activity the 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 metaphor that the ancient yogis of India used to to make this point is they said that it's like you take a piece of of uh, white cloth and you want to dye it, so you dip it into a basin of let's say red dye. And while it's in the basin, it looks very bright red. So then you take it out and you stretch it out on a on a flat rock in the sun, and the sun bleaches out some of the color, but then the rest remains color fast. So then you dip it in the basin again, fade in the sun again, a little more remains colorfast. You do dip and fade, dip and fade. Eventually, the the cloth is permanent bright red. Now, in the same way, we take our individual attention and we dip it into the basin of meditation, the basin of just being, of boundless awareness, that ocean of, of bliss, ocean of existence. And then we come out into activity, and when you first come out of meditation, you may be, may be feeling like, "Oh man, I am mellow. Here. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing is going to get yeah. the best of me." And then after a while, it 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 wears off. So okay, time to meditate again. But each time, a little more sticks to you, and eventually you mm-hmm. get to where you're that that's it. You're done.
1: Oh yeah, and I think the the one thing that 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 I get out of meditation that to me, is is I always come out with a smile on my face,
2: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
1: and um, there's another. I I didn't write down where it came from, but I did pull it out. It's sometimes your joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes your smile can be the source of your joy, and right. that is so true. Um, just putting that smile on your face and sharing it with other people, you have no idea how how it can impact people. When you smile at them.
3: There's a wonderful new uh, film out, a documentary about the Pope. It's called Pope Francis, a man of his word, directed by the great uh, German filmmaker Wim Wenders. Um, And uh, I really recommend this film. Actually, the two films I've seen recently that I recommend, the film about the Pope and the new documentary about Mr. Rogers.
2: Oh, okay. To,
3: yeah, to, called Won't You Be My Neighbor? You go see that film about Mr. I once had the great good fortune to interview Mr. Rogers for a writing project. And I was in tears by the end. That man was, he was really uh, a saint. He was really what the, what the Buddhists call a bodhisattva. Uh, and I think Pope Francis is, is in that, that neighborhood as well. And at the end of the, the the film about the Pope, he looks right into the camera. He says, there's... People ask, well, what can I do to make it a better world, a more peaceful world? He says, two things, if nothing else, the two things everyone can do. One is have a good sense of humor. The other is uh-huh. smile, share your smile. And he smiles into the camera, and oh, my God, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, the, and that quote uh, that you that you cited is from Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Vietnamese Zen master. Uh, sometimes your joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes your smile can be the source of your joy. There what he's actually talking about is what in science is called the facial feedback hypothesis,
2: mm-hmm. which is
3: that your your mood ex- is reflected in your facial expression, but then it's a two-way street. The facial expression can change the mood. And so my fav- I've got a whole chapter about that called Resting Bliss Face yes you do uh, resting bliss face where i you know and i share some methods for having a really genuine authentic smile um, to share with others and yourself and my favorite method is the it and this is another mantra and the mantra is wee
2: <laughs> yes and, and
3: and the best the optimal way to do this is you fling your hands up in the air and you say wee and in my workshops, I tell people, I lead people, I go, okay, one, two, three, whee! We do that three times, and then I say, okay, now, try to be depressed. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> and, and you can't. You cannot do it. And by the way, anyone who's listening to this who suffers from depression, hearing this, you go, oh, man, we, that's the last thing I feel like doing. Well, that's the first thing you got to do. You know, even if it feels oh, like yeah. it's going to... Yeah, even if it feels like it's going to kill you, this is to like crack through that ice, crack through that that armor. You just
2: throw your hands
3: up and go wee with just total like make yourself just look and sound as foolish as possible. Um and and that will start changing the 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 again, it's physiology, the functioning of the nervous system. The nervous system mm-hmm. wants to function in a way that reflects happiness we We want to be wired for happiness, and there are ways of cooperating uh with that impulse and this is one of them
1: oh yeah no it 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 absolutely works. There's a story um, that I heard a long time ago about a a family that took their young son into church I, I, if you've heard it stop me and in the middle of the service the little boy says to, this is like a, a two three-year-old he mm-hmm. leans over to his dad and says dad i want to go wee.'" and his father looked at him and said you're gonna have to hold it we're not done with church yet and a couple of minutes later he said dad please can i go we and you know, his father said, no, you have to really hold it. We can't. We can't. Not now. It's silent prayer time almost. And just at the beginning of silent prayer time, you know, the father figures, I can take him and sneak out. And he's, the kid leans over and says, Dad, please let me go wee. And his father said, okay. And the kid stands up in the pew and goes, wee.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and yeah. it
1: was in. I, mean, I I saw that happen And the minister um, mm. Looked and said Forget silent prayer Let's all we And he had the whole oh. congregation weeing And it wow. was just, it, it was so delightful It was yeah. because You know And and he, he kept us going for a little while and, and afterwards he said That was probably better than silent prayer For most of you That's it great kept you awake, you know? yeah,
3: That's great I got an email a few months ago uh, from a woman in Texas. And she said, "Uh, Dean, I wanted to let you know that last year my husband and I attended your workshop here in Austin. And the other day we were driving home from the dealership in our new Lexus. We were on the highway and we got broadsided by a, a state trooper. And it knocked our car into the ditch. The car rolled a couple of times. When it came to a stop, settled down, the dust settled, we looked at ourselves, we looked at each other, we realized that we were okay, and spontaneously, in unison, the two of us said, (laughs)
1: whee! Well, it would lighten the mood just a little bit. (laughs) Holy mackerel. I'm glad nobody was hurt. Um, Yeah. I I except of course the car. Um, you talk about loosening the bonds of addiction, including yes. smartphone addiction. And I if you could go through the smartphone addiction and, and what it's causing in adoption. Yeah. I would love you to.
3: Right. Um yeah, the you know, again, we're we're all subject to distraction. You know, we, we, there's a tendency to think there's something wrong if it's not okay to just be. Uh, I, I I used to, you know, I used to use the example years ago when I would be talking about this stuff because I've been teaching this stuff since 1970, and I used to use the example of people when they would get into their car without thinking, they would immediately switch on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest, what if you just get in the car and once in a while don't switch on the radio, that it's okay to have some silence there. Nowadays, it's the phone. It's, you know, again, you you, you see people, it, and a few years ago, what I was saying was that, you, you you see people out on on dates and the moment their date leaves to go to the bathroom the person who's still sitting there at the table in the restaurant takes out the the phone now they don't even wait for the other person to go to the bathroom
2: <laughs> they're just sitting there with their
3: you know it's like they're sitting there in prayer with their heads bowed down over the phones um, it's the because the phones and the, and I love my iPhone. It, I mean, it's a miraculous thing. It's a window into all knowledge. It's it translates languages for me. It can I can be an instant communication. I can see my kids and my grandkids and my friends in in Europe. It's fantastic. But because it's a window into everything potentially, it's also a source of endless. Distraction. So if we want to feed our inability to just settle into just being and just being okay with just being, the smartphone now has become the most convenient way to do that, to just keep ourselves constantly stimulated, aroused, distracted. So the chapter in the book about this is called Meditating with the iPhone Zero. Because, again, it's just like with that guy. You take anything that you think is anything that appears to be a problem, anything that appears to be an obstacle on your spiritual path or your meditative path. We flip it around and turn it into spiritual experience, turn it into meditative experience. So now we're going to take the iPhone or, or the Android phone and flip it around from a distraction to a a source of meditation. And the way we do it is very, very simple, which is the next time you're standing in line, you're at the Starbucks standing in line waiting for your coffee or whatever, and you find your hand just by reflex automatically going into your pocket to whip out the phone and distract yourself, just don't do it. You just tie yourself to the mast and don't do it. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to, and it's important to know this ahead of time, what's going to happen is you're going to feel this wave of anxiety. You're going to feel itchy. You're going to feel fidgety. Yeah, but, 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 you know, but maybe I got another email. But maybe the president tweeted something else bizarre. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Fine. Just, you know, maybe i got three more likes on Facebook. Just, <laughs> fine, whatever. And maybe, maybe you don't, you're not even thinking about this, that, that specifically. It's just, okay, but, but I'm not distracted now. I need some distraction. Fine. Let that wave of anxiety be there. Don't try to suppress it. Just let it, in fact, bring it on. Just let, let that sucker crash right over you. Let that wave roll right over you until it's gone until it dissipates and then what you will discover is that on the backside on the far side of that wave of anxiety is something called peace something called silence even if there's you know noise and stuff going on on the outside of you inside you'll feel oh here's this silence and then this some this okayness it's fine to be just standing here in the in the the line for coffee and just stand there and and be mhm and if you do, yeah, yeah. and then you can use this same approach for anything that you're addicted to. You can use it for cigarettes. You know, the urge to light the next cigarette comes along. You just tie yourself to the mask and just don't do it, and you're going to feel that wave of anxiety and let that wave of anxiety wash over you until things settle down again. And then maybe 10 minutes later, you, you, you light the next cigarette, but now you've skipped one. You know, you mm-hmm. may skip every other cigarette or something, and every time you do that, the the tobacco, the iPhone, the the alcohol, whatever it is, its grip on you gets a little bit looser.
1: Yeah, addictions um, can actually control your life, and and they can ruin your health. Oh, sure. So, yeah. so you know, it's 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 fascinating because so many people think. If I don't do this, I'll have anxiety attacks. I'll have withdrawal symptoms. I'll have you know. Mm-hmm. They can think of all sorts of reasons to explain why they're not going to quit something. And and sure. I'm not saying people should quit using their smartphones. That that mm-hmm. that's not. Oh, that's I, not I use mine.
3: I use mine. But,
2: yeah, I love it. But but, yeah.
1: but to be able to turn it off and not grab yeah. it. Yeah. Is is really, it, right. it it's an important thing to be able to do. Um, right. And everybody has different things that they are addicted to, whether it's chocolate or Diet Coke Mm -hmm.
2: or Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm.
1: or, you know, we all almost almost all of us have an addiction of some form in our life.
3: Yeah, here where I live uh, in the Los Angeles area, there's quite a few 12 step groups and um my wife and I host a meditation group uh, every other Tuesday night in Santa Monica. And anyone hearing this, by the way, that's in the area, you can find the information on my website, fearlessbook.net, and get in touch, and, and you can come to our uh, Tuesday night sessions. Again, they're free. They're open to everyone. So now a you, number of...
1: you. you I was going to go into you have a chapter on 12 steps and two thorns. Yes.
3: Yes yes. So so a number of people in the local um recovery community have discovered us and they come to our our meditations sometimes. And for example and in that chapter you just mentioned I tell this story. There was one girl about 20 years old. She came to a few of the meditations. Didn't say anything. And then one Tuesday night she was about to leave and she took me aside and she said, "I just wanted to tell you I'm a heroin addict." I've been clean for six months. In the meditation tonight, I settled into a place of peace and silence and healing that was so deep, so blissful. I didn't think I could ever feel this way again in this lifetime without drugs. Mm. So when you hear that, you know, okay, okay. This is the missing, you know, in the 11th step, and again, I talk about this in the book, the 12 steps, uh, which can be very effective, I think, up to a point.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
3: and, 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 and then, but but there's, there's a little something missing. And one of the ways that you know this is, I mentioned there's a lot of, lot of meetings, 12-step meetings in our area here. You can always tell where the meetings are because you see the, the people outside on the sidewalk smoking endless cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And it's because they haven't completely, they haven't really gone beyond their addictive craving. They've shifted it to something else, you know. And, okay, fine, if you've gone, if if you've got to choose between heroin and cigarettes, great, cigarettes. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, the opioid, there's all this awareness of the opioid crisis. Um, cigarettes in this country every year kill 10 times as many people as opioids.
1: Yeah. So,
3: so the um it it seems to me um and this is not just me speculating because i've just seen it over and over again with people that come to our meditations when you experience that deep healing peaceful thing that that girl experienced here that is what you've been looking for all along with the heroin or the, or the, the alcohol. It's what everyone's looking for in every moment of their lives, what they're looking for with the, with, with the chocolate, what they're looking for with the, just, you know, should I take this college course or that college course? We're all uh-huh. looking for nirvana in every moment and usually settling for the nearest facsimile that we can find.
1: That's true. And, and so many people think, well, I can't get there by myself. I need help. And
3: yeah. Yeah. And and, 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 and it's and, and it's just because they haven't gotten a little bit of clear skillful guidance into how to find it within yourself. You know the the first ten steps in the twelve step program. The first ten steps are pretty much clearing the decks. You know you 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 you, uh, you uh, make amends to the people that you've hurt. You acknowledge that you are an addict. That you've been powerless, uh, and so forth. And all of it's really getting ready for the eleventh step. The eleventh step is through prayer and meditation, contacted the, our higher power, and that. So in other words, conscious contact, we had conscious contact with the higher power. Conscious contact means not just having some nice thoughts, not just praying some sincere prayers, but having the conscious experience. Once again, it's come and see, as the Buddha said, having the direct Mm -hmm. experience. And that's what that girl was describing. When you have that direct experience, then the addiction starts to Fall away, I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day long long time ago, and is when I started getting into this stuff that just I never even tried to quit it just it just fell
2: away. You were lucky yeah yeah there yeah.
1: there is but, another there there's another part of your book that I really want to make sure we get to because it mm-hmm. it it touched me so deeply, and you speak about overcoming the fear of death and and overcoming the fear of losing someone that is very close to you and how mm. the understanding of of the awareness that that is part of a cosmic awareness where all of us are one takes away the separation and right. and it 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 profoundly touched me i i am constantly counseling people who have lost a partner or a mate mm-hmm. or you know someone very very close to them and you you explain it so beautifully if you can just go into it a little bit so that mm-hmm. you know people can understand how there is yeah. a oneness and you can get into that oneness
3: yeah yeah um and on one thing i say several times in the book in different contexts is it's good to do the fire drill before the fire.
1: Absolutely. So,
3: so, you know, a lot of people will say as as you said a while ago, oh, I don't have time to meditate, blah, 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 blah. and then they're, they get sick, then they're dying, or then their spouse dies or something, and now that's the fire. Okay, what do we do about this? um it's it's really good to have been sitting down every day and melting into that oneness into just that ocean of beingness that underlies the the waves of specific specific experience yeah um for one thing doing that on a regular basis will start taking away your own fear of death because it becomes more and more clear. Oh, this, dying is just like this. Dying is just melting. When you, when you meditate, and it becomes clearer and clearer, when you sit in meditation, you melt out of your, your individual identity. You're not seeing stuff in the room. You're not hearing. You're not engaged in the sights. You're not engaged in the sounds. You're not engaged in your thoughts and your attitudes about oh, I'm this person. I'm that way. Like, you're, you're more and more. It's just being, just oceanic, and it becomes oh yeah, dying is just like that. You just, you're just melting into the oceanic. Mm-hmm. So so you're you're prepared you've you've done the fire drill. There's also some specific things which I give in that chapter uh some there's a a breathing technique which is recommended for the time of dying and there's a kind of narration that you can have people read to you um for kind of letting go in the most optimally graceful blissful way. The other thing which you're talking about is the when when your beloved your partner your spouse your family member is, is the one that dies and the great teaching for me on this came when my first wife maggie the mother of my children died um we had just bought the our kids had grown up and moved away and we had just bought the little, sweet little Tudor cottage of our dreams and we had just moved in the same month that we moved into the sweet little house she was diagnosed with terminal cancer
2: mm.
3: and it was uh yeah it was it was rough in many ways fortunately she like me she and I actually had met on a meditation retreat and she um dealt with it so gracefully for one thing when she would go and sit for chemotherapy and there you know you're sitting for long periods and well oh I know how to do that I'm a professional you meditate and people were there in the oncology unit were so impressed with her evenness and her graciousness and her good humor and all that that they had her come back and teach everyone in the oncology unit how to meditate
1: Wow, that's so cool.
3: And then later on, as she was getting more sick and, you know, having to deal with a lot, you know, the chemo and radiation and all that, and I remember, and, you know, on on the one level, it's it's rough, but on the deeper level, there's that part of you that's not touched by it. It's the part of mm-hmm. you that's not touched by anything, and we all have that, but if you do some of these meditative practices, then you ha- you're in touch with it, you're Um, uh, you're consciously that part of you that's not affected by anything. And I remember her looking up at me from her hospital bed at one point and say, and she said, how do people who don't meditate deal with this? Yeah, I I just shrugged. I said, "I, I don't know. I don't know. But here's the beautiful story is about, I think it was about two weeks before she passed. She got a phone call there in the hospital room from a friend of ours who said, listen, I got hold of these Tibetan monks and I can have these monks come to your hospital room and they'll chant this special chant for you and it'll be really great. And she said, oh, really, thank you so much. But, you know, that's not been part of my practice during my life. It would not be authentic for me. My practice is just being without hope or fear.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and that's like <laughs> wow, because uh, everyone wants to be without fear. I mean, that's why I wrote this book, Fearless. But everyone mm-hmm. wants to hold on to hope. Now, some people are not going to want to hear this part. If, if so, just cover your ears for the next minute. This is the this is the advanced teaching. This is the graduate level teaching. Uh, if if, you, if right now it's useful for you to hold on to hope, that's that's fine. You know, keep hope alive. That's fine. But if you want to go deeper here, we realize that hope is the flip side of fear. Hope and fear are both investments in things turning out a certain way. You know, I hope if things turn out this way, you know, if I recover from my cancer, if whatever, if the Dodgers win the World Series, if my, my stocks go up, then I'll be happy. Now, the flip side of all that is the fear. If it doesn't turn out that way, then life is not okay anymore. Then I can't be happy. What mm. if we let go of hope and fear, and we're just being in this moment as it is, free of hope, free of fear? And That was, that was, Maggie's, that was Maggie's meditation. That was her teaching, and it's been an incredibly profound
1: teaching for me. Well, she seems to have been an amazing lady. Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody in the chat room um, typed in a question, and they would like to know, where does anger arise from from grieving? You know where does the anger come from when you're grieving?:
2: Oh,
3: that's a great question. Um, I would say that the anger arises generally, anger arises from fear you know we there's something that we see as a threat we think that okay in this case it would be oh this person has died now i'm abandoned and you know when we all have this this just fear from childhood oh i'm abandoned i'm lost i my mom lost me in the middle of a mall i'll never be found again uh it, it's a it's a terrifying feeling and then we we get so we, we get angry, we lash out. Fear, see, fear is uh, uh, um, uh, anger is an arousal state. Remember, we were talking before about the sympathetic nervous system, and it's an arousal mm-hmm. state. And it's more, it's actually anger is generally more comfortable than fear, uh, and it's more comfortable than grief. It's something that makes us feel more like I'm the aggressor. I'm the one, rather than the one who's being aggressive. It makes me feel like less of a victim. So uh-huh. I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll be angry. I'll take the initiative. Um, and this is why the, ultimately the 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 cure for all of those is the same thing. As we go back to the at the the root level, which is settling into that wholeness and finding out that okay, what happens happens. There's Ultimately, nothing to fear, and you know, as Franklin Roosevelt said, no, nothing to fear but fear itself, and then not, nothing to be angry about. We just now this does not mean trying to suppress those emotions. Mm -hmm. suppression does not work when we suppress something and i and i talk quite a bit about this in the book when you try to suppress an emotion you're pressing it down and generally it gets pressed into the body somewhere where it becomes back pain or hypertension or something that doesn't work um what does work is settling down meditatively sitting with the eyes closed in meditation also these things we talked about before that we can do right in in the thick of things you singing the descending fifths ah or breathing through your feet which uh, get us more into that settled inner silence where we reconnect with our inner wholeness and just in its own time and these things do take time it's gradually in its oh, own yeah. time the you know the fear and the anger all those things they just they evaporate they can seem at the beginning and again the book is called fear less not fearless two words fear less yes the, our our anger our fear our grief those things can seem like big scary monsters looming above our head but if we look a little closer we see oh they're these big things but they're really they're like the balloons in the in the Macy's Day parade. They're monster balloons, and what they're filled with is hot air. It's the, the hot air of our own stories, our own concepts. All you need to, to pop a balloon is a tiny little pin, and we put one or two holes in it, and gradually, gradually, it starts to soften up and deflate. It it's, may not go away completely, but after a while, it's not looming above us. It's down next to our feet where it's just a soft little you know, bathtub toy or something. Mm-hmm. And and that's what happened for me with, you know, my my grieving for Maggie. I mean, one wonderful discovery, and I wrote a little poem about it uh, a couple of weeks after she died. I wrote a little haiku that went, "My heart is broken open." Yes. You know, I could really find through that. I mean, that that experience, obviously I never would have chosen for that to happen, but that made me a much, a much, much better teacher because well, I'm so much able, more able to connect with people's pain and with the, the, just the precious importance of these methods that can help us deal with pain and, and, and go beyond it.
1: Well, yeah, I totally agree. I have, I have a philosophy, and and it's mine alone. It doesn't apply to anybody else, but I've lived by it. And it's it's that no teacher should ever try to teach a lesson they haven't learned or been through themselves. Because right. if they if they try to, their words are empty and people sense that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's you know, I, I will say to somebody from time to time, I can't imagine what you're feeling, but happily I've lived a long enough life. So man, I've seen a lot. And
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> when, you know, my, husband, my, my, no, go ahead. No, my, my, I have, my late husband um, passed away about five years ago and he from cancer and he was in the hospital bed and he, he, he knew what my philosophy was. He says, well, this opens up a whole mood genre for you, doesn't it? And I said, <laughs> what's that? And he said, well, now you can talk to people about losing their mate. And, and right. I said, I, I could do without it. But yes, you're right. right. I'll have to right. go back and, and change my resume.
2: Right,
3: right, right. Um, a wonderful man who published my first two books uh, named Jeremy Tarcher who he's since passed on. Uh, but he was, sat on the board of the Esalen Institute out here in California, which, you know, is a going way back to the 60s, right through to today, is a very important uh, 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 learning center and seminar center for, um, you know, and the place where a lot of the, the great teachers of meditative uh, methods have, have gone to teach over the years. So, uh, Jeremy was a board member at Esalen, and they had an unofficial slogan, which was, you always teach the workshop you need, and you're always your own worst student.
1: Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. And and you know that old saying about, you know, when the teacher is ready, the students appear. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Um, right. I, I have a group that, that I meet with and though i lead it i'm not sure who's the teacher and who's the student right
3: which, right.
1: which i like makes i like it.
3: the i like the word friend we're all we're all friends we're all we i i actually have a a chapter in the book uh called the buddy system you know we're mm-hmm. all on, on the bu- buddy system with this thing and 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 we're all we all take we all get a turn uh, when we're the one who just feels messed up, who's lost in grief or confusion or stress or fear, and then the other one is there to remind us of what's what and to remind us of the bigger picture and to remind us how to turn within and find that place that's that's not touched. And then, oh, you yeah. know, the next week or next month, the roles could be reversed. And there's something Absolutely. very beautiful about that. You
1: know. Well, T- tell tell everybody about the best dog dog in the world.
3: Oh, the sweetest dog in the world. Sweetest yeah. dog.
1: Okay.
3: Right. Um, yeah, and that's a chapter in the book. That's a a, a method that I actually devise. It's actually an update on a Tibetan method. Um, you know, sometimes you just need to pour out your story. You need someone to pour yeah. it out to, and the best listener would be the sweet the sweetest dog in the world so what you do the way this method works is you sit down somewhere close your eyes and just imagine that you're sitting there with the sweetest dog in the world look at those loving eyes look at that eager face and just mentally pour out your story to the dog don't hold anything back pour everything out and the the dog is the best listener in the world because he doesn't interrupt he doesn't interpret. He doesn't try to tell you about his story. He doesn't. Um, uh, he doesn't disagree. He doesn't agree. He doesn't even understand your words. It's all this waka waka waka, but yeah. he does understand feelings. And you know he's oh here's my dear beloved human that I love so much pouring out all those feelings and the dog just takes it all in without judging and just and just really brings it into his doggy heart where where it just kind of evaporates into space and then so you can do that and, and that's it do that for a while until you feel more clear more emptied out more unburdened and then go about your business. Or uh, you can then, and again, I I talk about this in the book, okay, now take a break, take a walk around the block or something, come back, sit down, and now do the whole thing again, only this time you close your eyes and you imagine you're the dog. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And sitting there next to you is you telling that story waka 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 and now you're the dog underneath that doggy fur in the middle of all that doggy metabolism taking the whole thing in with through your your doggy eyes and just evaporating it into your sweet doggy heart and and then just take it all until it's all gone and i i guarantee you you, you go through that and whatever your your story is you're going to feel much more Clear, much more un- unburdened by the time you're done.
1: Well, it, it you know, all of your methods do, do exactly that. They, they help to bring somebody to a place of better awareness. Yeah. And yeah. when you have that, you, you know, especially. I'm going to go back to 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 the to someone passing because when someone passes they pass into total awareness and in meditation yeah. you can get to total awareness so that you're there's there's not a separation and right. it's not like you've lost someone it's like you've gained everybody and
2: yeah
1: it, yeah it, I tell it,
3: the, it, I tell I tell the story how the the morning that my wife Maggie passed and I, and, you know, she had so many dear friends who were, you know, wanting to keep informed and I sent out the email to everyone and the subject line of the email was now she is everywhere.
1: Yes. And, you know,
3: sorry, this is the difficulty of doing this on the phone. I know, the I know, I know, I know. right? OK,
2: you go.
1: OK, it 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 is um, amazing when when something like that happens to the the Chinese have it right. When a child is born, they wear black because they're mourning the fact that the child will now have a long life to go through and difficulties and lessons to learn and all of that. And and they at the death, they wear white to celebrate that the journey is over and they are finally free to be with whoever, you know, you know, whoever, whatever is in the great beyond for their particular, their particular um, philosophy and um, it, it, it is true it is it is for that person who is passing it is a joyful experience.
2: Oh, yeah,
3: it's melting into bliss. And, but mm-hmm. if, if, but, and if you've been meditating, doing some meditation, experiencing melting into bliss, then it's familiar. But if you've not done that, then the tendency is to panic, to try to hold on, especially if you've got all people around you in, in the hospital room who also don't have understanding. And they're saying, no, hold on, fight, fight, don't stop fighting. Well, there's a time to stop fighting. Yeah. You know, and there's a time to just to just just gracefully, gratefully melt into the light. Nothing better.
1: No, and I think you you explained the the concept of giving it up in such a positive way that that I love I loved it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, give right, give up. People say don't give up, but giving is a good thing and up is a good direction. You know, give it up give it up to god or give it up to life give it up to the universe
1: it is it and you know your book has such it it's serious stuff and yet it is it is put in a, in a in a framework that that you can't wait to see what's coming next and <laughs> you go from you go from, I, I, I in the intro I said, you, you go from Buddha and Jesus and, and, you know, really high stuff that way to Jerry Seinfeld. And yeah, Jerry
3: Seinfeld and Willie Nelson. And, you know, my very first really, I mentioned at the beginning, I had some kind of opening, spontaneous opening experiences in childhood. And the most dramatic one uh, was I was... I, one day I picked up a mad magazine with, you know, Alfred E. Newman on the cover, the you know grinning idiot mascot, and his yep. motto, what, me worry? And <laughs> just spontaneously that triggered something in me, and I let go of all my worrying, and I just went into a state of what later on, years later when I started reading the books, I realized, oh, that's – what they talk about that's samadhi that's satori that's that's bound that's ananda that's bliss just so so the fact that you know alfred e newman was my first guru (laughs) uh fine so so that has predisposed me to find that wisdom anywhere find it in comic books i wrote a whole movie uh, a whole book about enlightenment lessons from the movies. It's called Cinema Nirvana. And people told me, oh, you've got to write about the Matrix and write about Brother Sun, Sister Moon, all this obvious stuff. So I skipped all that, and I wrote about Jaws and Snow White and the Seven (laughs) Dwarfs and Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the Godfather. Because I figured, boy, if you can find Nirvana in those films, you can find it anywhere.
1: Oh, sure. But but the one the one movie you haven't mentioned that you wrote about that I actually went and found and, and watched on, on YouTube is The Sunshine Makers.
3: Oh, yes, 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 yes. This was a cartoon. Um, and by the way, there's now a second film with the same title, which is a documentary about people who were who were manufacturing LSD and selling in the 60s. That different one, different sunshine. Yeah, we're,
1: we're looking but, for <laughs> the cartoon.
3: The they cartoon. Came out in a, CD8.
1: Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes. Seven minute cartoon, which I saw years ago when I was maybe five years old. Um and, and there's these little wonderful kind of elves who wake up in the morning and they were isn't it isn't it delightful?
1: Oh my you know, gosh, but, yeah.
3: Yeah, they wake up in the morning and they they bow down to the sun and they sing the praises, hail his majesty, the sun, and then they have their their little kind of distillery where they 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 get they gather the rays of the sun and they put it into milk bottles and deliver the bo- the milk bottles full of sunshine uh the way they, the way they used to deliver milk bottles full of milk in yeah. our childhood. Uh and then they get into a into a ruckus with these dark black coated, black hatted, uh miserable characters, these kind of gremlins, these trolls who sing,
0: We're happy when we're sad. We're always <laughs> feeling bad. How are you? Miserable that's
3: fine. you know, and so it's yeah. the happiness versus misery and of course they the happy elves win the 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 battle when they they take their their milk bottles full of sunshine and and shoot them with with boomerangs and things at the at the gremlins and turn them into happy characters. and in a way that's what we're we're that's what this is all about. I I sort of yep. I I realize in retrospect that at the age of five or whenever I saw that cartoon, I I was sort of getting, those were my marching orders. That that was my mission in life to, 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 in my own little way, deliver those milk bottles full of sunshine.
1: Well, and, and it's, what's more, most needed in life today is joy. And, and in my mind, in, in many ways, laughter is, 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 the best medicine. And, um, I know when, when I was in the pulpit, I I knew that if I could get everybody laughing, um, that, that my message was not only imprinted, but really imprinted. And at some point in time, they would use it to their benefit. Right. And, um, it, it, it just, it changed my life when I realized that, that, that happiness and joy, it's catching. And, right. you, you know, you, you just, you, you can't, it, it has to be genuine. But if it is genuine, you cannot avoid it. It's right. going to get you.
3: And it's what all the masters were teaching. People think that, oh, the teachings of the Buddha were so metaphysical. He was completely practical. He said, I'm here to eliminate suffering from life. I'm here to right, they were they were here to eliminate suffering or at least, you know, to whatever extent possible, to reduce suffering to bring in the, the opposite of suffering, to bring in happiness. Uh you know, it it it, it comes down to that. And they and, and they know. all and they all said, and it's easy, you know, Jesus said my 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 yoke is light, my burden is easy.
1: Mhm and And what's so cool about this um this is a way to get to that place inside of yourself to to share the awareness and 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 then first with yourself and then by living it with other people not not necessarily teaching it verbally but by being an example of the expression of it
3: absolutely and and people ask me this all the time oh you know i'm so deep in this meditation now or i'm loving your books and all that and my husband or my wife usually it's the husband is not mm. interested and how can i and you know, and usually i tell him you know what, don't worry about that you know it's like one per household is enough it's like you're you're the designated driver uh yeah. and and the and the the the, the best you're the designated diver uh the and the The best thing you can do is as exactly as as you say, Barbara, be the best example. You just become a lighthouse, and that will affect the people, especially the people closest to you, even if they never sit and close their eyes or do any of this at all. It will affect them it will start to soften them up it'll they'll start feel in, and it'll creep up on them in such a natural way that they may not even realize what's going on, but it will affect them. Uh, and at some point they may even say, boy, you've become, you know, this, had, when I first started doing this stuff way back in the, in the sixties and my girlfriend at the time, I started going to these weekend meditation retreats. And after I came back from my third or fourth one, my girlfriend told me, you know, every time you come back from one of these retreats, you're a little nicer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it it does work. Yeah, um, it does we're getting really close on time and they cut me off real, real quick here. So uh-huh. I, I, I do want to thank you so very much. This has been a great two hours and I I am so delighted that, that we could do this. Um, I guess in, in closing, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And
2: <laughs>
1: the name of your book is Fear Less and I guess the best words to end with are Come and see, check come it out and
3: see, come and see. And you can check it out at my website, fearlessbook.net. And my travel schedule is there. I'm doing workshops all over the U S.
1: Okay. Thank you so very much. I so appreciate tonight. Um, and good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This will be up on YouTube later on tonight. If you missed part of it, you'll be able to catch it there. Good night. Now. Good night, Dean.
2: Good night. Thanks so much.